0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Today, I get to chat with Erin Wayne, who leads community at Twitch. She started off as an evangelist just in the community, and then Twitch hired her where she grew into the role where she leads community there today over about six years We talk all about how Twitch structures their community team and programs, which has millions and millions of users. We talk about how to create safe spaces at scale and what they do to moderate all the different spaces that exist on Twitch. And we talk about what makes a Twitch stream such a powerful community experience and what you can learn from that and apply to your own community. Lots of great insights in this one. Aaron's always a blast to talk to. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Masters of Community.
1: Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Does this mean I'm a master now?
0: Mm, yes, it yes. does. If you're on this podcast, you are officially a master of community. That's how it goes. Those are the rules. So I don't make. I them. gotta
1: text my mom now. You
0: can. You can say <laughs> I've done it, and she'll be like, "What does that mean?" That's fine. Do you ever have to explain what community is to your mom?
1: Not really. I think I had to explain to my parents what I was doing on the internet all day before I had to explain to them what community. Like once they got it, they got it.
0: Once they got the internet part, then they got the community part.
1: Yeah. My mom specifically, one time I did a, like, before, I mean, this is why I worked at Twitch, but because I was an influencer first, I was still doing, like, heavy influencer work and working at Twitch in the early parts of my, like, community career. And so we did this meetup at Mall of America, and my mom thought, oh, it'll be, like, really cute. Like, you know, a couple of kids showed up, and they bought like Hot Topic out of Minecraft stock. And there was like a line around the Mall of America. And my mom was like, oh, okay, I get it. And so I think that like, that was a very tangible experience for her to see like, these kids are community. And so their parents were with them. And so the kids' moms talked to my mom Mm. about like what these kids experience when they watch this content. So my mom more than anyone, I think got like a very real firsthand mm. lesson on like what community is around gaming that it's not just people playing games on both sides of the world but there is a like shared interest and commonality and mindset and influence that happens but once we did that she was like oh, okay i get she it she got
0: it She just needed other moms to explain it to her in mom language
1: but i mean i, I am a mom she just didn't well, get it uh, i think maybe that's I don't true know.
0: that is a, that is a loophole Maybe I'm, I'm like because sure she's works.
1: my mom, I don't get to use the mom voice on my that's own right. mom.
0: That's right. You're you're her daughter. You're That's right. You're you're not a mom in her eyes. <laughs>
1: I'm not the boss and I never will be that's fine.
0: That's right. That's yeah, fine. I still have, I, I it's getting better now. You know, it's no longer like you just post on Facebook all day. Um and my mm. parents have come to some CMX Summit events and like talk to people. I think they're starting to get it.
1: Isn't community such a weird like fully comprehensive strange word and that like some community managers are very integrated into the social media aspects and they are the ones that are actually posting. Mm -hmm. And some community people like me are more heavily marketing focused where like most of what we do is behind the scenes campaigns and I don't, they don't even give me an access to Twitter login. They're like, not for you. But like it's, there's such a wide span of community that I think actually what I end up having to do more is my mom will be like, oh, so this person does the same thing you do. And I'm like, yes, but no, but also yeah. yes.
0: Just yes. Yeah. Yeah. Close. It's on the internet. That's, that's yeah. close enough. Yeah. <laughs> this is the weirdest introduction to an episode we've had. so Hi, far. Hi, I'm Erin.
1: Nice to meet you guys. <laughs> Just dive right into my personal story about my mom.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, I would love to hear more about your personal story, mom or not included. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about yourself and, and your background for for those who don't know who you are. Sure. And, and how you arrived at, you know, sitting at the, the throne of how the community. How I became Twitch a master. Community. How you became a master. How'd you become a master?
1: Yeah. Uh, so my name is Aaron Wayne. I am the director of community and creator marketing at Twitch. I've been at Twitch for six and a half years years, which doesn't sound like a super long time in this band of some things for a startup like Twitch that is only just now nine years old.
0: That's a lifetime in startup years.
1: It is a lifetime in startup. Yeah. It's really funny to hear people refer to me as an OG when I'm like, I just feel like I'm too young for that, but that's fine. Like I'll take it. I started out doing content creation specifically Mm -hmm. in the gaming sphere. I was one of the first female gamers to hit a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. So I kind of was involved in the very early days of gaming and the explosion, specifically around Minecraft on YouTube. I came into it a little bit later in life, which sounds funny because I was only 24, I think, when I started doing content creation online. But at the time, it was led predominantly by kids that were still like in high school or just transferring into college. And so Mm -hmm. What happened with the transfer of influencer to industry is that I was working full time. It was really hard back then to monetize. Like now anyone can monetize on the internet. Even back then, you know, was that, nine, nine years ago, it was really hard to make money. So I was working full-time, doing influencer work full-time, and we would go to these conventions and I would be the one that would be like, hey, let's all go to dinner. And so I would have to be the one that made the plans. I would have to be the one that would coordinate everyone's schedules. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I facilitated a lot of relationships with uh, other influencers in that space. At the time, Twitch was Um, growing and heavily focused on esports content. It was born out of a love of Starcraft 2 and the Starcraft 2 Dota League of Legends competitive kind of esports gaming uh, genre. And uh, Minecraft back then and even now is still one of the top minutes watch generators of gaming content online. And so Twitch ask the question, how do we get that here? And why aren't people not watching that here? Why are they not creating that here? And so I had a kind of sidebar conversation with somebody who was invested in the partnerships team in Twitch. And he said, Hey, you seem to have a lot of connections. You seem to understand kind of the business behind what's going on. And you have this connection. My previous career was in marketing and events. And he was like, would you like to just do what you do now and just do it for us? And I was like, get
0: paid for it.
1: Yeah. And it was a really great job because I worked a really crappy job I hated. And he was Mm -hmm. like, we'll pay you that to work for us part time. And I was like, and you'll pay for me to go to conventions and I can play Minecraft? Sold. Mm
0: -hmm. I I remember I had like the same experience early in my career because I I would go to a lot of these conferences and everything Mm -hmm. um, and like was blogging and posting on social media in those early days. And I remember the day Mm -hmm. where I was like, wait, someone will pay me? to yeah. get to these things and to build community. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, I do this for fun. I, I yeah. can't believe someone will actually pay me for this. And turned out it became a, a huge industry of community professionals and my entire career. But at the time, I was just like, I can't believe someone will pay me to do the things that I already love doing.
1: Yeah. Well, and at the time when they hired me to work at Twitch, I actually didn't even start with community at all. Mm-hmm. Um, my job was to be the partnerships person for acquisition and account management of Minecraft. Like my first job at Twitch was partnerships comma Minecraft was like my (laughs) title. And I don't think, because I didn't come from the gaming, I didn't even come from the online industry. I came from like wedding planning and corporate events, which like Mm. doesn't back, I mean, especially, you know, a decade ago, community was not a word, right? You had people and you wanted to engage with your people and that was it, right? So especially for me, community was like a, it was a foreign concept. I didn't really even think about what I was doing in the lens of this is community work. I just thought Mm -hmm. I was helping influencers and I was getting, you know, those users to Twitch. It was kind of a transactional thing.
0: Building relationships.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so um, from a partnership side, right, from like a business development side. And so Mm -hmm. when I started doing that, Twitch was, you know, very early on in its startup days, we would go to conventions and people would not know what Twitch is. And so I'd spend 70% of my time being like, We're like people who play video games on the internet. I don't know, man. Uh, And so I would recognize problems uh, early on. So, you know, our streamers would come to our booth and they would tweet out, hey, come meet me in the Twitch booth and I'll take a picture. And so I would ask questions like, well, why aren't we facilitating formalized meet and greets with branded opportunities. We can track how many people are coming through the booth. We can increase our social media impressions. We can do all these things. And they were just ideas. And still at that point, I didn't recognize that as community work. And through things like our meet and greets program and through our partner mixers and through a bunch of different things that we were doing, Twitch said, hey, we have one person, DJ Wheat, Mm -hmm. uh, very well-known in the gaming industry, and they said he's doing content and community. What if he takes content and you take community because what you're essentially doing is community work, and now you do community, like that's your job now. And so that was the first time that I was made a community manager Mm -hmm. at Twitch. And then kind of through the evolution of Twitch growing and investing in things like education and the community meetups program that started to move away from just creators, but also to like onboarding new users and moderators and uh, up and coming streamers and education and all of those things. The concept of what it meant to be fully community started to become realized. And then I went from community manager to community marketing and splash a couple of years on it. And here we are.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's been yeah. cool to watch that journey as well. Actually, DJ wheat was one of our first CMX summit speakers many, many years ago. Yeah. He's great. Um, I think that was maybe still when he was running content and community before it got split up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool to see like what he was talking about back then about how community is important and then see it, you know, kind of fall into your hands and and see what you've done with it. So, what what does a community program look like today at Twitch?
1: Yeah. So we have we love the word community at Twitch. We do we love have the word community. A bunch of different things.
0: Twitch might we love the love word love community uh, more than any other company that I've spoken to.
1: Well, because if you think about what Twitch is, Twitch is what the community wants it to be, right? It is like this this concept and this evolution of a company that has been built and realized by the users telling us how they use the product, everything from where we invest our engineering resources to the products that we build, to the way that the company grows is all built out of the community and their response and the things that they need. Um, And so there is a reason it will like laugh about it, but like there is a reason why we are very, it's one of our tenants actually, we have seven different like Twitch values and one of them is community first. It's one of ours
0: too. Yeah, it should should be be everyone's
1: really. But yeah, we love community. So we have community marketing, we have um, the community partnerships team, and then we have community Mm. products. So there's like the product, the marketing and the partnerships And each one of those um, divisions has their own community team. So what's consistent throughout each one of those is the fact that our community programs, marketing and products are built around ensuring that there is something kind of for everyone, that moderators have the tools that they need to help keep... The community very safe and very active. We've got things for creators and we have rewards for viewers as well and ways to keep them engaged and keeping and watching the content. So a community program from the marketing perspective, what we're really focused on doing is highlighting what it means to be a part of Twitch from a very broad spectrum. So we will do things like Uh, a content spotlight month where, for example, in April, we did food and drink, where a lot of times people think Twitch is gaming and that's all Twitch is, but gamers as people are very multifaceted and we want to highlight the content that encourages that and shows people that gamers are multifaceted. And one of those genres that is very popular on Twitch is food and drink. And we love to cook the food that we eat. It's very fun. And if you're a content creator, like you, no matter how much you love games, Every, at some point, you'll get to a point where you're like, I can't play games eight hours a day, every day as my job. Sometimes I want to bake a cake, and like (sighs) gamers will want to share that experience with their community and thus food and drink. Right. Um, Some people cook literally full-time on Twitch. That is what they do. And so we will do a spotlight month that features all of those different types of people, gamers who cook as a hobby, chefs who cook full-time, people who just like cooking on Twitch. We'll talk about the extensions that people can use. We had one um, chef who she made a pizza and used an extension, which is basically like an overlay of your video screen that can encourage a number of like behaviors. This specific one hovered so it's a heat sensor, so it covered where people were hovering their mouses. And so she uh did this extension over a camera overlay that was like looking down at a grid of ingredients. And she was like, what should I put on my pizza? Uh. And so she hovered over that and chat got to pick and obviously they picked pineapple. And so um, there's just different unique ways to show. Controversial
0: selection. A
1: very controversial. That show that, that that's what makes Twitch different and mm. unique is that it is not just a viewing experience. It is an interactive multiplayer entertainment experience. And so um, we will do those types of things. To ensure that the range of creators from our biggest broadcasters to the up-and-comers to those who are just starting are featured on our front page. We promote them. We promote a variety of genders, ethnicities, all the underrepresented groups to show that you are one of Twitch and you're part of what we do. And it's baked into <laughs> yeah. baked into everything that we do.
0: Nicely done.
1: <laughs> I did it. But yeah, so a large part of our initiatives involve that. Uh, community marketing at Twitch um, does three things we engage we excite and we educate. Um, So Excite may be our community meetups program where we have 50 cities all around the world that um, are run by volunteers that exist just to connect people locally around their shared passions, which happen to be Twitch and Twitch gaming or Twitch food and drink or Twitch whatever the case may be. We engage creator camp as our education portal. And so we invest a lot of time, energy, and money into ensuring that the resources that people need to succeed on Twitch are available to them. And we are constantly growing that library of articles and then excite, engage, whatever the last one was. Um, We have things like- Engage. Engage, thank you. Uh, Things like our Twitch unity, Months, which are built around things like Women's History Month, Black History Month, um, Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, And then we do things outside of even those months. We just did a panel, um, a virtual summit with black girl gamers um, around being a black woman in the gaming industry. And so we will highlight that content as well to get the community talking and having conversations about what it means to be part of the community. So those are the three things that they pillar up to. We have a lot of projects and um, campaigns that fall into all of those buckets, but it's a busy and fun time to be a community person at Twitch for sure.
0: Indeed. There's a lot of work to be done there. I have, I have a thousand questions already. Hit me. Where should I even start? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, well, so like, Everywhere. I know something we've talked about in the past. I think Twitch has a unique mindset when it comes to community in general, but measuring community. I mean, it's just built so much into the fabric at Twitch. Yeah where, yeah. like, you don't have a lot of the challenges that a lot of community teams have where they have to, like, get buy-in and explain why community is important within the organization.
1: hmm I think that because Twitch is such a unique ecosystem in that we have one broader Twitch community. When you go to TwitchCon, one of the... When we had the first TwitchCon ever, and we hear it a lot at every TwitchCon after, that even if you were to show up at TwitchCon by yourself... You feel part of the family where, like, there is an instant talking point to a stranger you can walk up to and start a conversation. There's that instant connection there. And so, there is a broader community, but even within the you know, broader Twitch community, there's sub communities, right? There's Minecraft and there's the fighting game community and there's speedrunning so and sub- there's art. There's yeah. so many sub communities, and each one of them has their own unique needs and challenges and desires and things that they want to see from extensions to game highlights to their favorite creators being featured. And so, we do in some ways have to explain what community is in that it isn't just one thing, it's not just gamer, it's not just the like, you know kind of ambiguous term that everyone falls into. There Mm -hmm. are lots of things on Twitch. The creative community is a very passionate very strongly engaged community that's part of Twitch and is core to who we are. And so we do have to kind of explain that. Um, But it all falls under that idea of connection and building relationships around a shared hobby. And I think that's what drives everybody together. And that's that like central thread throughout all of those communities is that they just want to connect. People want to connect, especially in times like this. Um, And so that's, that's what's core to who Twitch is, is getting people to connect, whether it's a chat to a chatter, or it's the viewer to the broadcaster, the broadcaster to their moderator. Like right. everyone just wants to connect, and Twitch is great at facilitating that.
0: What is it that has made that such a core part of the culture? Is, is did that start with the founders and, and leadership? Um, because there's lots of other social networks, like I would you know look at YouTube or uh, or like Twitter or Facebook. And say like, well, those are all about people connecting too, but I don't feel like they they have community first as like their core, most important value. Twitch has a completely different vibe, and and to your point, everything was built with the community's kind of feedback and insights. It, it, it feels like a more collaborative platform. It feels legit, like it feels authentic when when Twitch says that, when you say it. Maybe you're just very convincing.
1: I like to think that I am, but I think <laughs> but I think that there's like there is an evolution of social media and I think we continue to see that as new social media and new platforms arise. But I think like, if we go back to like, when we were kids back in our day, if you wanted to connect with a celebrity, a favorite band, for me, it was NSYNC. You like wrote a letter and maybe like an intern or like some secretary, like sent you something Mm -hmm. back, right? Like that was the that was the limit of your kind of connectivity and your relationship to that person. It was a very transactional and it was very surface and it was very delayed. Yeah. Then introduce things like MySpace, YouTube, Facebook. They are still transactional. They are still delayed where like, I put the content out there, maybe you comment on it, maybe you leave a like, maybe I see that like, maybe I see that comment and maybe I engage back. But there's a delay at every step of the way. Twitch then takes that to a second, two seconds. It's live. Where it's synchronous. It's You're there live at the same time. And your ability to directly contribute an impact to the experience is there. You impact the streamer mm-hmm. the same way that the streamer impacts you, right? If I'm playing a game on Twitch
0: hmm.
1: and I'm lost in a game and I'm like, oh my God, I thought I went left. I don't know, where am I supposed to go? I don't know where my objective is. I look to chat, chat gives me advice and they help me and I go back, they've helped me and shaped my experience or hey, you missed this Easter egg, turn around and go backwards, it's back there and you're like, oh cool, thanks for doing that, right? Mm. It is a, that's why we call it multiplayer entertainment Mm -hmm. because it's not passive and it's not transactional. It is very back and forth, it is conversational you know the the viewer shape the experience the moderator shape the experience the streamer streamers shape the experience and you'll often hear streamers say like I'm just the entertainment. Like, I take a backseat. You guys are like running your own thing mm-hmm. in chat, and chat will have their own conversations going and they're talking to each other and they're, you know, in Discord off, the, off to the side, sharing memes and doing whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is definitely, I think it feels more legit because our reduction in our ability to feel seen and heard and validated as people and contributors to the conversation is so much stronger than it is elsewhere where it's very passive and delayed and maybe they see it.
0: So so it sounds like because of the, the product itself, the actual experience that you've created itself is so live and collaborative and intimate that that actually translated into the culture of the company broadly rather than what most people would expect with, you know, community programming where it's like you as a company have to believe it first and then create those experiences
1: yeah i mean if you think about i guess gosh now it's been probably six years twitch plays pokemon was like a huge first kind of big mainstream indicator of what the power of twitch could be where somebody basically wrote a script that it would read twitch chat if somebody said up it would push the up button on their Game Boy. And if somebody said down, it would go down if they hit whatever the case may be. So that chat could control Pokemon, right? Hmm. It became this thing where like hundreds of thousands of people were simultaneously going into chat, clicking, you know, up, down, left, right, enter, blank, blank, blank. And they were catching Pokemon together. Hmm. Like I can't get my family of like six people to arrive to dinner at the same time. And hundreds of thousands of people were throwing in chat commands and like, getting very rare Pokemon together and beating people and doing all these things, like, that's wild and crazy and collaborative in a way that I don't think we had really seen Hmm. or expected. And things like that changed the way that Twitch was like, oh, okay, a lot of people want to do things together on Twitch we need to make sure that our chat can handle this. And so we had to rewrite the way that our chat was was written, right? And then realizing that like, okay, Twitch plays became a thing that was like, Twitch plays Pokemon, Twitch plays Tetris, Twitch plays whatever. Like there were needs for us to start exploring what types of additional content was collaborative and and shaped the way that we view right. co-op gaming. It's not two people sitting next to a couch or two people squatting up in a game, you know, in whatever game lobby they're in. It can actually be right. collaboration between viewer and, and the content. Hmm.
0: How do we extrapolate this lesson for everyone listening into like, wh- what can we learn from that for any, anyone who's building community? It sounds like there's something there around.
1: Shared experiences. When you go to we we use this all the time people like i don't understand why someone would want to watch somebody else play a video game and it's like why do you go watch the super bowl because you want to be in the crowd when it happens you want to be a part of that moment you want to feel like i was there when that happened right right from the greatest experiences to some of our worst experiences where were you when x happened Mm -hmm. we have a thread of human beings to want to be a part of something, right? And so if you're building a community, what are your users, your audience, whatever, what are they a part of? And what makes them feel like they are together with someone else, that they are not alone. And I think you can answer that in a lot of ways. And if you can't answer that, then I would be like, then what is your community? But if you can say they're a part of this, they contribute together in this, they have a shared experience in this, that's really what community is, at least for Twitch. When you think about it from that lens, it makes things much easier in terms of like building that experience and that, right. that dedication to your community.
0: Yeah, and and it sound, I think it's like, the power of being involved in live shared experiences and having a role in it and being able to influence it. Um, Like so many of the community programs or community platforms we see today are kind of what you described. There's a delay. You post and maybe later you get an answer. It doesn't really feel like you're sharing space and time with people. And I think what Twitch as a product and a platform has done so well is make people really feel connected to each other at the same time and, and give them a, a sense that they're not just passively consuming like the Super Bowl, but they can actually be a part of it, maybe even control it. Maybe choose what the quarterback does in the Super Bowl. That'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. And we have built products around ensuring that every level of the experience accommodates for kind of what you are, right? And so there are a lot of people on Twitch that we call them lurkers where like, they just want to contribute by watching the stream. They don't wanna chat, they don't need to chat. They might subscribe, but it's very passive. They just wanna enjoy the content, right? that's okay. like, and that's totally okay. That's like we love lurkers. Lurkers are an, a huge and very valuable part of the ecosystem. Even partner and streamers will be like, "Hey, we love our lurkers. Thank you for tuning in every day. Like your viewership helps me get sponsors. Like you're still very valid, and you know you're very appreciated here." Um, But now, just by lurking, you can build channel points in a stream, and channel points let you can do a number of things. You could unlock an emote, but let's say you're not a chatter and a streamer wants to run a poll and says, what game should I play next? They can say, you can give an extra vote for X many channel points, right? So now as a lurker, I can be like, okay, well, I'll vote for that. And I've got all these channel points accumulated. I'm gonna throw a ton of votes at this thing that I wanna watch, and I'm gonna go back to lurking. Mm -hmm. Like there is a way to engage everybody at every step of the process, whether they're a lurker, an active viewer, a moderator, whatever the case may be. Um, and I think making those considerations continues to help drive that experience for everybody who's there.
0: Mm. Is is the 99-1 rule true on Twitch? Uh,
1: explain that. Explain the 99-1 rule the to
0: 99 me. The 99-1 rule is like this thing, this study they did a while back on really large communities that 90% mm-hmm. will be basically like passive lurkers, 9% will respond mm. to content, and 1% will create content.
1: I think it depends on the type of community that you run. I was just watching a guy on stream who does um aerobics for senior citizens. Like like especially during Covid, like senior citizens or like um retirement homes can't bring people into right. their locations to do these things. And so he streams the content specifically meant for that audience. And there's viewers, but not any chatters. But I wouldn't expect them to chat because right. they're engaging with the content in a totally different way. Right. I don't know that the 99 one rule applies to Twitch. I think it's like very dependent, even channel to channel, what of about the like, way like the they, whole they do platform. It. Oh man, probably <laughs> not because that's not really what Twitch is meant for, right? I think that there's probably a lot of like passerbys. I think there's like probably viewers who watch the content, but I would. I would say that is not true. It's definitely not 99 to one. I think there are many more people who are actively engaging in the content and that's why they prefer to watch something like Twitch as opposed to like VOD content where they right. can just watch it and not engage. I think they're watching it because they want to be part of the moment and they want to be part of it. I think lurkers are there, but I don't think it's 99 to one.
0: What what percentage of all users are streamers?
1: Uh, oh, of all users are streamers? Uh, I don't know. PR would kill me if I threw a number. <laughs> okay. Well, I think, I, think I think
0: we've debunked the rule here.
1: It's definitely not 99 to it's 1. Never I'll tell true. you
0: that. I think it's a myth.
1: No, I don't think it's 99 well, to 1. Okay.
0: You have a lot of different subgroups, as we talked about. How do you moderate and manage and build community for that at scale? Because I imagine you don't have, like, a dedicated community person for every single subcategory that you have, or do you?
1: No. No. We have um, – we hire and ensure that in, in some – area of the organization. There are people who are familiar with
0: right, like buckets.
1: Yeah. And they may be in partnerships. They may be in marketing. They right. may be in business development, but we have people who are like, I'm a musician. I We have uh, people who are like former professional athletes who help with acquisition or partnerships or account management. We do hire those people. Um, they're not necessarily in community roles, but I think in terms of like ensuring that we're representative of everything that is there, we definitely have that representation internally and those people that we can rely on to be those subject matter experts to mm-hmm. make sure that, hey, are we hitting on this? But a large part of it is is just communication. Like you would be surprised at like how much you, it sounds so simple, but when you have a community of tens and hundreds of millions of people, to like have a conversation is not as easy in concept as it is in practice. Especially when you're trying to say what is the general consensus of feelings. Like, I can get your feeling, but is your feeling representative of the whole? Like, mm-hmm. having those at scale conversations and getting feedback can be um, very challenging to make sure that we are making the right decisions. But a lot of those things just happen when you open your doors and welcome people in and say, like, let's talk. Right. Let's have a conversation. How do you feel about this? Twitch hasn't been, in my personal opinion, um, very loud or very vocal about the fact that we do that when we make decisions. We do consult people because mm-hmm. they can't go out and be like, Twitch told me about this sacred thing. Um, but we do have um, that as part of our feedback is that in order for us to say that we're community first, We have to take community feedback. Um, You will see Twitch constantly put product out um, in beta. We like never fully ship like, it's done, here it is, go enjoy it, like we will put it out.
0: You're one of those perpetual beta forever.
1: Well, because we, like, so one of our other tenets is experiment to decide, right? Like we have a theory, Let's Mm -hmm. see if this theory plays out, right? right? You don't want to be like, I have a theory. I'm going to spend months and months of development and putting something out. And then people are like, we hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, like you don't want to do that. And so we'll put something out there and be like, in concept, how would you improve this? How would you, what do you like about it? What do you don't like about it? How can we make it better? And then we do the thing that they told us to do. Mm -hmm. We like this, uh, we have this overlayer, this picture is too distracting or the sound effect, I couldn't get rid of it. Or I would really like it if it was more obnoxious. Like they'll give you all of that feedback in specific use cases. I'm a musician and this worked better for me because this versus I'm a gamer and it did not work for me because of this. Right. And so we can test all of these use cases and make a product that works for everyone.
0: What are you specifically doing to get that feedback? Is it interviews or surveys or focus groups, all the above?
1: All the above. And so depending on how big the product is or how much we're able to test it depends on the way that we collect that feedback. But, yeah, I mean, all of the above. We will pull every lever that we can to get as much feedback that scales and is representative of the whole so that we understand what is happening before we we launch it. Mm -hmm. But we definitely do – Uh, experiment to decide (laughs) Mm -hmm. quite often. And people are like, it's not even finished. You're like, yeah, but that's by design. We want your feedback. Because if we had done it the way we thought, maybe it would have been terrible. But now because you've told us this, we have time and resources to go and modify it so that it works for you and give you the control the way that you want to engage with it.
0: Yeah. I think that's something that it's pretty like common and, and like most software products will will kind of test and iterate and experiment and collect feedback. But when we build community, sometimes I feel like we feel like we have to have the perfect setup and are afraid to make mistakes. Um, but I feel like that's the exact approach that every community builder should take is like we're trying this new format, this new experience, this new event, this new thing, and, and just bringing the community into testing and trying that experience and see if it works. If it does, great, keep doing it. If not, cut it or try something else.
1: But you're going to make mistakes for sure. Absolutely. Like you're, like you're going to, yeah. right? Like nothing you ever launch will be perfect from day one. It won't. Because you, one, you can't make everybody happy. But B, because you have to have feedback in order to make this the best. Everything, I'm convinced everything is made better with collaboration. And because of the nature of companies, sometimes that collaboration can't happen until the thing is in the wild, right? But collaboration 100% makes everything better. And so we'll take things like our community meetups program, right, which was born out of community volunteers were already running these groups. Like Twitch and Go just decide, like we're gonna have a meetups program. Like we are fortunate and blessed that we have active, passionate, engaged, self-starting volunteers in the community who were like, I love Twitch so much. I want to just talk to people about how much I love it. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Like, yes, sir. Let's go do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so before I became aware of it, I was like kind of passively like, oh, okay, that's cool. People are doing meetups. And we kind of got this like ping like, hey, so uh, these groups are like using our logos and our trademarks. We're going to have to like send them a letter telling them they can't do that. And I was like, no, please don't do that. Like <sighs> we have, like we have to embrace this. Such a this rookie we-
0: mistake that making. Well, it's keep not making. even a
1: rookie mistake. It's just that, like, from a you do have to protect your IP, right? Like you right. have to. Had I been like, yeah, that's cool. Let me get you your information. Right. We would have been in a very different spot, right? But I think recognizing that, like, no, how do we actually work with them to like do this in a way that protects us, so that you know we're not putting the the IP or the brand at risk but also empowers these community members to keep going out and being advocates for us. Like you can't buy that amount of brand sentiment and, and passion. Absolutely. How do we empower, encourage, like what do we do? And so there was a long process where we worked with our legal teams, our safety teams, our brand teams, our marketing teams, and said like, let's put this together in a, in a package and like, let's make this a program. And it sounds great and lovely in theory. And in execution is also great behind the scenes it is so much freaking work and we have constantly been like this is this that that was a very bad idea this is like so much work we have got to like figure this out we've got to address this there's an issue scale we don't speak french we have a group in france how do we like figure this out (laughs) so i think that like you will make mistakes you will learn as you go but it's made better with collaborations and sometimes like You just have to do the thing and then take the learnings and be able to like embrace the fact that you kind of failed upwards and like just go with it, right? You're never gonna get anything done by just planning. Like sometimes you just gotta go.
0: I, I think a lot of what you've done really well and Twitch has done really well is like identify what people are organically wanting to do and the direction they're moving. Yeah. And then just like experimenting with different ways to support them and to fuel that program, right? So like people wanting to host meetups, And you're figuring out how to support that program at scale in different languages and different locations and support those leaders. And even like the expansion beyond gaming, uh, we spoke about that before in in past conversations. How, like, I was like, well, how do you get people to, you know, start using Twitch for other things other than gaming? And you corrected me and said, like, well, they're kind of already doing it. They just were doing it. And we just, you know, started supporting it.
1: Yeah. I I think that that's like really funny is that it's, it sounds so easy. It's just like success just doesn't fall in your lap, but sometimes like success does come to those who take the opportunities that are handed to them. And I think that we've had a lot of opportunities, um, and a lot of times where we've been able to identify opportunities and said, let's go for this. Right. And so, um, I think the situation that you and I talked about was, um, there was very specifically a time where we had, a streamer who was like streaming stained glass and she was streaming making stained glass under the League of, uh, not League of Legends, it was the Legends of Zelda game Mm -hmm. because she didn't have a category to stream it. And we were like, okay, well, there's like perler beads, there's people who are sewing, there's people who are painting, there's people who are doing stained glass and they're streaming it under the game. What if we just gave them a creative category and they could all come together of all artisans and like they could succeed and it worked and it took off now there is lots of ideas that are we were like what about this and they were not great but it didn't work right that's gonna happen right you kind of again have to just take the risk and go like hey i think this is an opportunity let's see how this plays out
0: right you said like well success doesn't fall into your lap i think it depends how you're defining success because i think i think what happens and what a lot of companies and community builders do is we we kind of like formulate in our mind what we see as this community and where it's going and what we want people to do. And then we like try things and, and and then we get frustrated when people don't do the thing we want wanted them to do. Like, why didn't they show up to this event? Why didn't they participate in the forum? Why didn't they engage in this way? Whereas like this is a great example where it's like, well, what are they already doing and that may not be what you imagine and what you perceive the success. Twitch probably was never like we really need to optimize for that stained glass market. That's a real big <laughs> opportunity. Let's let's make sure to yeah. to move in that direction. Yeah. But you saw it's like well our, our users want to do this and it aligns with our our mission and our direction and what we want to do. So let's support what people organically want to do, and and like to some extent keep exploring you know, experimenting and trying different things to see like yeah. what people might do that maybe they didn't realize they could do yet or or there's unique ideas for the community to come together and be prepared for those to fail. But I feel like every story I've ever heard of communities going really well are when you're just going with a flow.
1: You of, let them of lead how you. how people
0: want to gather. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. If, if you were a manufacturer of a certain kind of apparel and you kept getting people who were like, I want a sweatshirt i want a sweatshirt i need a sweatshirt i need a thicker sweatshirt and you were like we're gonna make shorts like you wouldn't do that right so if you're developing a community when a community is telling you like we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this why would you go in the opposite direction right like it, yeah. you can let them kind of guide you into places sometimes not all the time but sometimes you can right. uh, you can let them do that there is i recently finished a, a class on disruptive strategy, mm. which I just thought is like a community person was such a, an ironic class to take. Cause like I, last thing I want to do is disrupt my community, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah. the last thing I want to like, do. Please
0: everyone just stay calm Yeah. And no, I want everyone, No disruption here. <laughs>
1: collaboration.
0: No waves.
1: Love, yeah. I don't want any disruption. Um, but it's, it's a marketing strategy. And one of the things that, right. that they talk about is jobs to be done. Right. And there's like such mm-hmm. very fascinating things about like why people were getting milkshakes for breakfast. And I was like, That's terrible. Who gets a milkshake for breakfast? Clearly I am not the target consumer for breakfast milkshakes. Mm -hmm. Um, But they talk about the fact that they thought that people just would buy more if they gave more flavors and that like did not work. And so they had to go to the users and say like, why do you choose a milkshake for your breakfast. And it became, I'm in the drive. I want something that I don't eat super quickly. I want something that fills me up. A breakfast sandwich is too messy. I don't wanna get grease on my pants from a hash brown. And so I get a milkshake. And so taking all of that data, they basically said, well, now we're just gonna make our milkshakes thicker so that they do all of these things and more people will make milkshakes. And then more people started buying milkshakes for breakfast, Mm. which to me is like fascinating because I still think that the idea of a milkshake for breakfast is horrible, Mm -hmm. but there were learnings, right? You want more people to buy milkshakes, add more flavors. That would have been my thought, Mm -hmm. but they didn't. They went to those users and said, why are you doing it? And then they just responded to that. And it's like a very novel idea, but it's like.
0: Right. Yeah. I guess it's a balance too. It's like, you need to take risks and try different things. Mm -hmm. You know, what's, what's that like Ford saying? It's like, if, if you asked, uh, what people wanted, they would have said faster horses. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but they invented the car. So I guess like you need to experiment and take leaps Mm -hmm. to see what, what might click. Um, but at the same time, especially when it comes to community, it's like if people are trying to do something and it's hard for them to do it, just like remove those barriers. And, and like your life becomes a lot easier as an organizer. What what do you think? So I, I think like another thing that Twitch is, has navigated well is is kind of making sure that the spaces are are trusted and and safe for members. Mm-hmm. I know you apply that to your, your events and, mm-hmm. and to your streams and everything as well. Mm-hmm. What, what's what been the key to maintaining that at, at such a large scale where you can't possibly have, especially because there are like a lot of live experiences, so you can't necessarily have people there at every single one? Or, or do you? How, how do you manage that?
1: Yeah. So especially when it comes to the online content, which I assume is kind of where you're probably focusing a lot of that since that's kind of our, our bread and butter. Yeah. Um, to your point, it has to scale. You have to make solutions that scale because we have done a, a really good job We do have things like auto mod, which is a tool that we introduced that allows streamers to set a specific level of um, automated moderation on their channel. Um, And so you can have it from like the lowest setting to like the highest setting where like very, you know, uh, words that we might deem common that could be sensitive to some audiences are automatically held until they are reviewed by a moderator or the streamer themselves that then clicks allow. Right. And so we have an automated uh, uh-huh you know, filter, if you will, that will catch a lot of these things until the moderator catches it and says, okay, yes, that's okay, or no, it doesn't. It like continues to learn based on the actions that are taken. We allow people to assign human moderators to their channel. So like I could say, hey, I need help. Do you want to moderate? And you could say yes, Aaron, I would love to moderate your chat. And you can help me so that I as the content creator can focus on making the content. And then we have volunteers who continue to keep the chat safe. We obviously have the ability to report people, but a lot of those tools come in building things to allow people to self-service that and to formulate their own kind of corner of Twitch the way that they feel is best for them. We just introduced a product called ModView, which is a dashboard, just like a creator would have, but specifically for mods that allows them to review users, that allows them to review actions that are taken, it allows them to get deeper insights in the moderations that are taken on the channel. And so they have more tools at their disposal to make their jobs easier, better, faster, more fun. And so I think that allowing things to scale happens because you introduce tools to let people do that themselves. Um, In terms of our in-person events, there are a lot of, safety precautions that Twitch invests in in order to keep people safe in person at our events like TwitchCon um, that we've obviously always continued to scale up as those events go from 10,000 people to 30,000 people to 40,000 people, international support, especially for things like TwitchCon Europe, which was in Germany last year. But we had to have support for English, French, German, Spanish. And so we localize where we can. We provide actual human support, whether that's security or safety or um, police forces, undercover agents.
0: You have undercover agents? Whoa. You weren't (laughs) supposed to tell me that. That's a secret. I
1: guess you'll never know.
0: I guess I'll, I won't know. <laughs> yeah. So on, on the online space, I think that's like, that's an interesting topic as everyone's kind of reflecting on social media, mm-hmm. large platforms today, and a lot of the toxicity that we see on those platforms. I mean, Twitter is just like one big space. No one's moderating subgroups within there. So that that kind of like makes moderating that space really challenging. Twitch has like moderators who are moderating their own spaces. Mm-hmm. Facebook has you can have Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Reddit has sub subreddits. So it seems like means, yeah. maybe that's like uh, right. Uh and so it's like having subspaces that are you're kind of trusting the community to self self-moderate mm-hmm. is is key to being able to do this at at such a big scale.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think that you You do have to make those accommodations for what happens when communities run amok and they, and they don't have any type of automated, you know, filters or what happens when that happens. But I think in general, or
0: or what happens when a moderator, like when, like you trusted them and and, like they're, they're perspective on what was a safe space is is not quite right.
1: In my experience, that actually happens very infrequently. Right. Right. I think most people, when you spend day in and day out keeping something safe, like very rarely, I think, are people going to go rogue and like change drastically their dynamic of like, now no one's safe. Like I don't <laughs> like doesn't happen that much, right. but right. there are, there are certain gates and limits to um, the way that creators keep their channel safe. And what is one great for one community is not you know, necessarily going to work somewhere else, but we also have the ability for users to add in their own moderation settings. So I have mine. I don't like to see lots of profanity in Twitch chat. A streamer may say like, you know what? Actually, it doesn't bother me when people say, certain words, Mm -hmm. it may bother me a lot. And so as a viewer, I can say, actually, I never want to see that word. And whether the broadcaster decides to moderate that or not, it is removed from my chat experience. So even individual users can keep themselves safe by saying, I've decided that this is not what I want in my Mm -hmm. viewing experience and I can change that, right? So they can self-moderate, which is awesome. Um, And so I think just identifying the various levels of what people may need on their specific experience um, is really helpful in giving people the tools that they individually need to succeed. Whether they are a moderator, a viewer, a partner, etc., and I, I think right. to your point about you know platforms like Twitter where they you can't moderate, I think that we are starting to see such a negative impact on creators specifically on um, social media platforms where like. If I'm on Instagram and somebody makes a comment I don't like, I have to go in and remove it. Mm -hmm. But if I remove it or not, I've already seen it right? Mm -hmm. Versus a moderator um, on things like a subreddit or on Twitch may be able to like automatically flag that. Now I've saved the creator from potentially seeing something that may negatively impact their mental health. And so I do think that there are filters. Twitter does offer one where like you can highly, I have it on mine. You can highly gate things that like Twitter just doesn't even show you. The number of tweets that like I have that like don't even show up on my Twitter feed is like, I sometimes have to like, someone will come and be like, oh, I tweeted you and I can't find it. I have to manually go to their profile and it's an innocent tweet. But for whatever reason, Twitter was like, we think this is fishy and they don't show it to me. So I I think that at a very minimum, if you're not going to make things that scale so that other people can do it, you have to give people the tools to keep themselves safe so that they're Mm -hmm. not always moderating. That's true. Because if you have to moderate yourself, the damage has already been done. Uh,
0: well, and Twitter is starting to do that now. So, like, there's some tools, like, you can choose uh, what comments appear mm-hmm. in your responses and who can comment on on your post. Isn't
1: it just, like, all or nothing, though? Like, it's, like, you can choose, and the only people who can reply are people you've tagged in the tweet. So, like, if I tweeted, right. I can be, like, it just is me or no one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's still not great. They'll but get better. I mean, I'm happy to start to see them say, like... Well, essentially, it's like, well, if we're all in one big group, then a tweet is almost like an individual uh, micro-community. It's like the conversations that happen on this tweet are something that the person who created that space, essentially, um, should be able to, in theory, moderate. I I guess, like, my last question on that, though, um, and then uh, I know we got to move into a rapid-fire session, you might have a moderator who does, you know, takes it in a different direction, um, and then users can self police a little bit, but then, like, what if like the entire space is somewhere that like is toxic? Or, I mean, in, in in the context of today's conversations around race and inclusion, like, what if what if like there is a group within Twitch that um, doesn't align with I guess Twitch's values, mm-hmm. right? Like we saw like Reddit remove a bunch of subreddits before recently because mm-hmm. the the moderators and the entire community involved. They're then aligned with like the set of values and standards that they've created for the platform. So how do how do you as a community team handle that on Twitch?
1: So thankfully, the community team, we aid in in the overall um, contribution of like what are our guidelines and policies, but we don't actually enforce any of those. Those go to like a very highly trained, very integrated team uh, for our mm-hmm. trust and safety who understand all of our guidelines and policies and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I do think the fact that we have guidelines that are very explicit on we do not allow for hateful conduct, we do not allow for harassment, in those instances, we are able to remove content and or users who don't abide by those guidelines, right? Um, There are a lot of guidelines we have in place um, that help protect against those things. And so hateful conduct and harassment are one of the things that we very clearly in our community guidelines state we don't accept and we don't allow on our platform. And you will see Twitch take action when we receive reports um, on users that, that violate those guidelines. So Mm. even when you cannot immediately take action or there was not moderation done immediately in that time, there is still a backup, which is we will do what we can in our power to prevent users from Mm -hmm. doing future actions that violate those guidelines, principles and values um, and can take action that way when they're reported.
0: Right. Yeah. It sounds like Twitch just holds a much stronger line on those things than you see on a lot of other platforms, which, what do you know? It's a, a safer... A uh, more engaging place. Amazing. Try to be. Okay, cool. You ready for the rapid fire I'm round? I'm
1: ready for rapid fire.
0: Oh, man. This is this is the best part. A lot of people love this I part. I saw okay, that ready? you were going
1: to ask me rapid fire questions, and I skimmed them, and I don't remember them, and now I'm slightly <laughs> because I forgot what you're, like, you're, you're going to ask. I usually
0: forget to send people what I'm going to ask in the rapid fire uh, round. I remember time, them not so being
1: very scary, so at least I'm I'm about that, scary. but I don't have prepped answers. There,
0: maybe one or two are scary. Okay. The rest are, very, the, the rest are layups. I'm going to add one, too, that I didn't write in here because I thought of it. I don't want to ask you. Okay, well, let's start with one. What's your favorite community? And you can't say Twitch.
1: Um, the Sims community. Mm. Why? The Sims community is awesome. They, from their developers who are incredibly ingrained within their users, they do development streams that talk about the games. They work with inclusion from the um, hairstyles to the skin tones to the ability for um, users. They were one of the first games that allowed users to very detailed, um, customize the experience on um, what their sims identify as from the way that they physically appear to their hairstyles to do they like sit or stand when they use the restroom? Can they or can they not have babies? Like you can completely customize your experience. They offer um, customization in terms of their clothing and aesthetics that allow people to be able to, for religious or um, other purposes, be able to keep their Sims uh, clothing appropriate to like what's best for them. So there are a lot of things that are built organically into the game that allow people to self-identify and have experience that um, is close to their own. Um, And they work really, really hard to um, give the community uh, that experience. And I know that they are very, very in tune. So I would say the Sims community. They're a lovely group of people. It's a fun community to belong to. It's super weird. And I love it. And I've been playing the Sims for like 20 years. <laughs> so
0: I, I haven't played in a very long time. but I played a long time ago. I love um, it. That's really cool. I love that. I love that anecdote. Yeah. And that seems like a great standard for every game and community to let people have that kind of it's authority great. and ownership.
1: Shout out to my Sims gurus. They're lovely.
0: All right. I'm going to throw in the the one I made up. Now, um, since <laughs> no. since you had this experience, what advice do you have for a company who wants to hire a community member as their community manager?
1: Oh, man, um, I would say that really focusing on the community member who also has the cross functional experience in the area that you're hiring them for. Like a person being a part of the community doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be good at marketing or going to be good at account management or going to be good at whatever the case may be. Sometimes just like you and I talked about earlier, a community manager is really good at social. And so maybe they'll be able to say like, "Hey, I can help with your social media strategy." Maybe a community manager for a streamer might be better at reviewing applications and determining what makes a good partner and what doesn't, right? So all of those things, for us, for marketing, uh, we get a lot of, when it, whenever community marketing opens up applications, we get a lot of community members, which is awesome, and it's our chance to like source talent directly from our most passionate, engaged users. And a lot of them have experience that directly relate to what we're doing. They are streamers who are out there educating other streamers, which works really well for something like a creator camp, right? We can utilize that talent and that experience to make these things better. And so I would say that like, yes, you should always... Um, make room in some parts of your org, maybe not every part, but some parts of your org to get the people who are subject matter experts in the community themselves, but really find that subsection in that specific role of the community. They can be light on the skills, right? Like certain things are teachable skills. Like writing is a teachable skill. Like gut intrinsic knowledge of reacting to like the community will think X about Y is not trainable. And that comes with years of experience. And so if you can prioritize, prioritize that then focus on allowing time to train them on the things that they will need to be trained on as long as they have the base set of skills mm-hmm. i think is really important
0: love it that's something i see a lot uh, a lot of companies ask about that um so i think that is, that a is, is quite a useful it is actually yeah a lot of companies are like well we're trying to hire a community manager we have some people in our community who you know are very active, like, should we hire from inside of our community or should we look for an outside expert who would have to learn about our community? It's
1: probably one of those things that actually, like, now that I'm really thinking about it and, like, with the experience that I've had... It's probably one of those things that sounds really great in theory, but it requires you kind of to find that diamond in the rough where like you do really have to find the person who has that perfect set of their experience and they have the base skills that I can teach them on the teachable things and they've already got the things I can't teach them on. It is wonderful and you should do it. It is just harder to do, I think, in concept than a lot of people realize.
0: Did you just call yourself a diamond in the rough?
1: Oh, I was talking about the people I've hired. <laughs> but I mean, I'll take it too. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that that was me because I was I wasn't, give you that. I wasn't I a give community you that person though. When I was like hired, I was like
0: okay, I knew right. Minecraft. Well, you're, you're an evangelist.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think yeah. for it's the like for the role that I was hired for, I like was like Liam Nice. I have a very specific set of skills. Mm. I think I just.
0: Skills that make you a nightmare for... That's
1: right. For...
0: Community members? No. I don't know where we're going. want to be this great. This is a rapid fire anyway. round. We're supposed to be rapidly oh, firing We're not questions. rapidly
1: doing anything other than talking. No,
0: we're <laughs> I'm here. Let's go. Oh. Next question. Okay. Number three. What's your favorite book?
1: Of all time, Harry Potter.
0: What's your favorite book of community and business?
1: Oh, community and business. Um, Charles Vogel has written a few books that have been really helpful um, for me in terms of, of community. Yeah. He just, he has a new book that's coming out a minute. Mm-hmm. Pete, my cameo. Came I know. Oh
0: wait, no, he has two books. Yeah. He, the building brand communities with Carrie Jones just came out. Yeah.
1: The new, so I read the first one and then I got to know him after the first one. And then I got to cameo in the second one, but, uh, the first book specifically and talking to him about that book, um, was really helpful in terms of me thinking about, uh, what's our subsection and like, how do we, identify what makes twitch special as part of our like secret sauce um mm-hmm. so that book about community building specifically was like really helpful
0: what's your favorite video game
1: ever the sims right now maybe also the sims but also the witcher but also house flipper but also minecraft
0: okay i will but allow also Fable up to two. five answers okay that's it you're, you're cut off
1: <laughs> they all have their own unique use cases
0: i understand I House Flipper is a great. I, game. I only though. play one game at a time. I don't have the. I, I used to play more games, but now I just do one at a time.
1: Mm. The Witcher and Fable are like interchangeable. I feel like in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're not rapid firing. Check all those games Man, out. Just,
0: like, we get like a minute to answer. Each all the, one. actually, now that rapid. I'm thinking about
1: it, other than The Sims Four, every game that I've ever liked has been developed by a studio that was based like in the Nordic, in like the Nordic european regions wow minecraft is you in just sweden had an epiphany on this yep. podcast. house flipper is um i think they're in norway uh the witcher is based uh i'm gonna get it wrong but it's like based in kind of europe nordics somewhere in that region and then i think lionheart studios wasn't originally a a u.s game either
0: mm, what does it mean
1: I identify it with my scottish roots None of those games are in Scotland. I don't know. I was trying to connect dots that weren't there. Anyway, next question.
0: (laughs) You keep digging there. Who's an uh, up-and-comer in the community industry that everyone should follow?
1: Uh, Ann Lopez, for sure. Uh, She is the leader of Black Girl Gamers. Um, She has been super instrumental um, for the past several years of being able to connect, highlight, and build community around a typically very underserved group within the gaming, whether they are gamers or they are women in the gaming industry. Um, Jan is smart. She is um, just so passionate about what she does. She connects people. She's got a vision. She advocates like anything that you would want as a community leader, that's what she, she is. Um, and so she's just from being somebody that I personally admire and and look to a lot for being able to address not just tough topics, but like being able to see outside of your own personal viewpoint Um, and her like just drive and passion. She is a very wonderful person. I would definitely recommend everybody like watch out for her because she will be doing awesome, awesome things in the not so distant future.
0: Love it. Where, Where should they follow her?
1: Uh, their official channel is um, at Black Girl Gamers on Twitter, but you can also cool. find her on Twitter at Supa Dupa Curl. Love it. Just Google J.N. Lopez, you'll find it.
0: Sweet. All right, a couple more. What's your go-to for self-care?
1: Kayaking and baking. Done. Done. You did
0: it. L- no, no, no. We got one more. Oh. <laughs> Done with that question. Okay. Um, <laughs> And this is this is the one that's scary. Oh, okay. Um, if if today was your last day on Earth, and you had to leave one piece of you know like Twitter sized advice for the rest of the world that kind of sums up your your wisdom and your lessons from your life, uh, what would that advice be?
1: So because you said it wasn't one piece of advice, because you said it has to fit in Twitter, it's actually two. Because that's I, okay, I'll allow I, could, it. I could I could fit it onto a tweet. One is the quote from Cinderella, which is "Have courage and be kind." I think that's like very important for people to do both things um you can be kind and brave and stand up for yourself and still be kind and courageous and the second one is one my mom made up i don't think that this is anywhere else backstory I was really young i cried because i thought i messed up a painting and my mom told me that a real artist can make a masterpiece out of a mistake and like that has been like the most powerful driving force in my life that when things are really bad If I work hard enough, I can turn this into an opportunity. Um, And so rock bottom doesn't have to be rock bottom. It can be the place that you push yourself upward from. Um, And so those would be my two places. Have courage and be kind and be an artist and make a masterpiece out of a mistake. Love it. Put it on a mug. Ship it. That's my contribution.
0: (laughs) I love it. I will internalize both of those pieces of advice. Awesome. Well, we did it. We made it to the end of the podcast. This one, this was a winding one. We took many different pivots. I think we got to maybe one of the questions that I told you we we're going to talk about.
1: You know what? That just means I have to come back for like a We sequel. can do it again. I'm here.
0: We can, we can, I'm free. We can keep doing this all day. I mean, I can't well, go anywhere.
1: We're at home. <laughs> 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 we'll see you in an hour.
0: And, uh, Ashley, last question is where can people find and follow you?
1: Uh, at Everywhere. At Aurelian, A-U-R-E-Y-L-I-A-N.
0: That's you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Just, yeah, really, really grateful for, I mean, you, you've been extremely generous with your wisdom and your time and have, have contributed to so many things for the CMX community and for this industry. And, and you have a wealth of wisdom and you're just like one of the most thoughtful and and generous people that uh, we have in our community. So I'm just really grateful for all the work you're doing and, and how much you care about sharing it with others. Um, and for taking now over an hour of time to be on the Masters of Community.
1: Of course. I'm always happy to help and answer questions and ensure that everyone feels supported and can succeed. We all grow together, man.
0: Indeed. (laughs) Community.
1: Community. First. (laughs) All right. All right. See you all later. All right.
0: The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media.